All right, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 27. Exodus 27, and I'm only going to read one verse out of there. Um, and I'm just kind of, as you turn in there, I'm going to set this up because I'm going to only read one verse. I'm going to pick out of this whole whole chapter, whole book. But just to set it up, this verse uh, that I'm about to read, uh, it's a part of the command that the Lord gave Moses. It's this time they're moving through the wilderness. They get to Mount Sinai. A lot of y'all familiar with the story. God calls Moses up onto the mountain. He tells him to climb up into onto the mountain uh, where he goes up there and the Lord begins to give him all kind of instruction. The, the most famous ones, the Ten Commandments. While he's on Mount Sinai, gives him the Ten Commandments, but he also gives him all kind of other instruction. He talks to him uh, about uh, not only the Ten Commandments, but uh, the covenant that uh, he's making with Israel, the covenant promises, uh, instruction for the priests, instruction for the temple, property rights, all kind of things while he's on the mountain. So in the midst of this, as he's talking about the tabernacle, there's this verse in Exodus 27, 20, that as I was reading this again, just jumped out at me. And it says this in the New Living Translation. It says, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness and your favor and your anointing that is upon your word. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would, Lord, take over tonight, continue to take over, continue to have your way as you have already. May your will be done. Help me as I teach and preach, Lord, that I would, Lord God, clearly and accurately, uh, Lord God, uh, present the word of God and, and may it fall on fertile soil and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As many stories and many things in the Old Testament, this one verse, I believe, is a good picture of us as believers. Again, you know, Paul in Corinthians says that uh, stories and things in the Old Testament are a type or a shadow of what's going on in the natural, what's going on in the spiritual. Like even like the temple, whenever the temple, if you, you read in, in the Bible, it says that, that that's actually a carbon copy of what's in heaven. Uh, but all these stories and things like this is, is a good picture. And this one particular verse, as I was reading, is a great picture of the believer. And I believe we can learn a lesson from the lamp. Because remember, Jesus likened us to lamps, as we'll see later. We know that, right? He likened us to, to lamps a couple times, which we'll see a little bit later. So tonight from this one verse, I want us to just learn a few lessons from the lamp. Let's first look at the pure oil. Number one, he says to bring pure oil. Bring pure oil for the priests. You know, again, speak, this speaks of purity in our own life. Of pure oil. Uh, oil also, we're going to see in a minute, represents the anointing. That's why we anoint people with oil. Um, it represents the anointing. It represents the anointing of God. In Psalm uh, 133, when it talks about unity and that the anointing oil, the, uh, the oil flowed from Aaron's head down to his beard and, and whatnot. And so he says, bring pure oil. Speaking of the purity of our life, the Lord wants us to keep our hearts pure our hearts and our lives pure. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8. This is part of the Beatitudes. He said, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. You want to see the Lord high and lifted up? Live in purity. Walk in purity in your heart and in your life. In, in every aspect. He said, bring pure oil. He didn't, he didn't want no contaminated oil for the lamp of the tabernacle. He said, make sure you bring some pure oil. Nothing that's, I'm sure it has something to do with, I'm sure, you know, 
messed up oil wouldn't burn as good or probably would, you know, would, wouldn't be, uh, uh, wouldn't stay lit as long or would flicker, whatever the case may be. But he said, make sure you bring pure oil. The Lord tells us our hearts need to be pure and that God will bless us if our hearts are pure and that we will see the Lord. Second Timothy says this. I love this and I've talked about the scripture quite a few times. He says, if you keep yourselves pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So you see, two sides of purity, like pretty much everything we're going to talk about tonight, and and really it boils down everything that our walk and our Christian life is about. It's about our walk with the Lord and us being used by the Lord. Amen? Two, Two things here. Jesus said, you know, that God will bless us and we will see God. That's symbolic of our, 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 not even symbolic. He's saying, you know, part of the blessing in seeing God is being in relationship, being close with somebody. When you're in close relationship, you often, you, you see that person often, right? Right? Like I think it was Pastor Kelly talking about, you know, friends that, it might have been last week or, or, or about Facebook friends, you know? Like, oh, I got 3,000 friends. How often you see those people besides on a computer screen? Like see them face to face, right? You can have friends. I got, I got some friends like, oh yeah, he's my friend. I hadn't seen him in five years. You know, and that means that we're not that close of friends. We're friends. I know them. But you know, when Jesus said you will see God, I believe that's speaking of intimacy. I believe the purer our lives are, the closer we're going to be to him. Remember, he says, be holy for I am holy. Don't make us any less Christians, any less children, but I believe when our hearts are pure and we walk a holy life, we're going to automatically be closer, walking closely in relationship with the Lord. And then two, I don't know about y'all, but I want to be used by the Lord. And he, he says, Paul tells Timothy clearly that if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. I love it. He says your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use for every good work. You know, when, 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 you don't want to clean up yourself, you know, when you find out, oh, man, I want to do something for God, so I better go get this sin out of my life. I want to go, go on this mission trip. I want to serve at church. And so I better, you know, you know what? How about we just live a pure and clean life, and that way we'll be ready whenever God calls us. We're ready to roll. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Amen? So how do we become pure? If we're not, how do we become pure? One, I hope that most of us are from just what we came out of. And I just jotted down a few things here. But seeking God through fasting. We just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but there's something about fasting that purifies you. Right? It, it, it purifies, really, it purifies, you know, a lot of things. You spiritually, your heart, emotionally, purifies your body. If you're certain fast, if you've, if you've gotten off of certain foods or done certain things that can purify your body. But you see what happens when you begin to fast, you know, all this stuff starts coming out and coming up. Right? Y'all are, y'all, y'all are holy in here. I know for me, when I fast, well, let me just talk about my fast. When I fast, you know, one, you can hear the Lord clearer, and he, he shows you some impurities in your life. So if you just went through the, the fast, and I want to encourage you, you know, we could talk about later not to just stop there, but when we see God, period, but when you see God with fasting, there's something about that. It brings a different level of purity because he begins to show you stuff in your life, or you begin to, you know, when you, when you cover your mouth and stop doing things you like to do, you're, you don't even have to see God. Your flesh shows you your impurities. Right? You get a little more ornery. You get a little more aggravated. You get a little more snappy. Right? 
And, and you begin to see that, and that's good because you can say, oh, God, I, I'm noticing this is in me. Lord, I, I, I want to be cleansed from this. I want to be pure from this. So seeking God, period, but seeking God with fasting. That's one way, because if we see God, he said we will find him. He will show us. The second way is just choosing to get rid of certain things out of our lives. It's making a choice, knowing like, if I continue doing this, partaking in this, listening to this, watching this, whatever, being in this relationship, being around these certain people, that you know what, they don't have a standard of purity. Or you can tell, you, you can, you ever feel like you get contaminated when you get around certain people? You ever felt that way? You know, where you're just like, you get around it? Matter of fact, if you just, like a couple years ago, my, my daughter reminded me because we got stuck in traffic that we, I took the wrong route on the day of a Mardi Gras parade and we had to go through like the tail end of the Mardi Gras parade. And even just that in my car, I felt like I need to take a shower when I got home. That's just me. It's a lot of filth out there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I might have just touched the sacred cow right there. But anyway, there's certain things that I believe that you'll see that if it's not helping us, a lot of times it's hurting us, Amen. right? And so whatever the case may be, whatever, if you, you can tell when things are contaminating your thought life, contaminating your mind, I mean, just sometimes even just the news, if you read the news and it's like, and it just reports of certain things, it's just like, man, it could, it could mess with you, Right? It, it can take you down, but relationships, different things we partake in. Listen, if the Lord is showing you something or convicting you, so I know in my own life, and this is all glory to God, but like there was things right after I got saved that the Lord began to show me, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop watching this, listening to this, going with this person, being around this person, whatever. You know, God was purifying me, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? So we got to make a choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Pastor Todd used that scripture Sunday. Choose this day whom you will serve. And you know what? We got to make a choice that in, in, in to purify our lives, who we're going to serve, what we're going to do, where we're going to partake in. I want to continue to be purified. How about you? And the third thing I jotted down, and this is this is one of the hardest that we have to. But you know, trials and suffering will purify us. Trials and suffering will purify us. First Peter one seven says this: These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is much more precious, far more precious than mere gold. Now he's specifically talking about our faith, but obviously our faith is part of our whole being. And that, you know what, when you go through trials, when you go through suffering, you know, you get purified. Your faith it gets, gets tested and gets purified to see if you have true faith. Just recently, matter of fact, it might have been even just, just yesterday, I heard about a story of a tragedy, a tragic event that happened in a couple's life where they lost their child. And, and as, as this person was telling me the story, uh, she began to tell me how the husband had just turned away from the Lord, had totally turned away from the Lord. And I know people in this church that, that have lost loved ones, and they're still someone that's in this room right now, I'm thinking, that's still serving the Lord, their faith is strong. That, that'll test your faith, right? I don't think, I don't know how much anything else, but a tragedy like that will test your faith. It will faith and test you to see, you know, what's going on in your life. But trials and suffering has a way of purifying it, which leads to the next point. It says this in Exodus 27, 20. Bring your pure oil of pressed olives. Again, oil represents the anointing. And physically or in the natural, you know that the way that you're going to get 
oil out of, out of olives is what? Is by pressing them down and by smashing them. That doesn't sound too enticing, does it? Not at all. But that's the way that they get the oil from the olives is by smashing them, by pressing them down. I know we don't like to hear that, but it's true. And as I read this of pressed olives, immediately this other scripture that Paul talks in, speaks of in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 1, he says this. He starts out by talking about it. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Now listen to this. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul says, listen, to sum that all up, bad stuff's going to happen to us. Things are going to happen. Trials will come. Suffering will come. But there's a purpose in the suffering. There's a purpose in it. And while I'm saying that, before we go any further, I was reading the scripture again the other day, and it just, again, I just, I felt like it, it, I needed to share it tonight. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 22 and 29, and I, I believe it ties in to this about the suffering. He says, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He was talking to the Pharisees at this time. But as I begin to read that, I begin to think as, as the Lord was placing this scripture, this, this sermon on my heart, we can, I, I, I see many people make the mistake of not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, as we're, we're talking about this, as I just read, this scripture, talking about suffering. Listen, it says, through suffering, 410, 2 Corinthians 410, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Look, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. What does that mean? Through suffering, we can glorify Jesus. Through the suffering, we, we, through the pain, the trial, the tragedy in our lives, Jesus can be seen through the suffering. We can get pressed, you know, uh, knocked down, busted and beat up. But if we have the right perspective, if we understand the scriptures, we can realize that through this, not only do we get purified, not only do we uh, get an increase of anointing. Again, the more you press down olives, the greater the oil will come out, the greater the anointing can be birthed in trials and suffering. But we must understand the scriptures and understand how God's power can work through this. Amen? Are y'all tracking with me? Are y'all, am I making myself clear what I'm trying to say here? That we, we, again, need not shy away from suffering. And as we go on, I feel like I come back to this offering because often, because, again, you get prayer requests and what? 90% of those were people that had cancer. Two of them, 27 and a 19-year-old. It's like, Lord, when will it stop? You know, I had, I had a friend of mine that, you know, just last week, their six-year-old daughter was getting tested for leukemia. And the doctor thought she had it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. When I got that text, it was like, praise God, she was one of the reports that she doesn't have it. She has mono. And praise God, it's a lot better than leukemia. Amen? But just getting that report, like, it shook me up. I was in a meeting back here, and I, I got shaken up by, by reading this text. I mean, the, the guys, the, the dad's a childhood friend of mine, and his little girl, six years old. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they start rattling off, well, if she has it, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's, it's, it's good because we caught her early, but she'll have to go through two to five years of chemo and miss the first year of school because it's going to be so hard on her. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, so we continue to talk about suffering and trials because, listen, 
I hate to say it, church, but the truth is it's going to increase. I'm sorry. I know that's not a, this is not a feel-good point, but it's reality. As we continue to get further down the road and get closer to that trumpet sounding, I believe whether it be from sickness or different things or just what's happening in the world, suffering and trials will come. But if we understand the scriptures and the power of God and keep the right perspective that in our suffering, he can be glorified, guess what? It's going to be a lot easier and we're going to be ready to meet it more head on. Amen? Through the power of God, we can bring glory to God in and through our suffering. Amen? So in Presto, just remember that. And like I said, just let's, let me give you an encouraging point on this. It's not so encouraging. Again, the anointing. I, and I've, I've talked about this often, but I know a pastor uh, in, in, in Baton Rouge that has suffered, and you all have heard me talk about him often, that had, has suffered with kidney disease from the time he was 16 years old. He's been on dialysis three times a week. He's my age, a year or two younger than me. He's been on dialysis three times a week since he was 16 years old, had near-death experiences on the operating table. He's been operated on multiple times, has been going through, I mean, sickness and, and disease, marries this, this, this beautiful young girl of perfect health, after about two and a half years of their marriage, she dies of cancer. So he's been through all this heartache, all this physical trials and all these things and loses his, his, his precious wife. But I tell you, I know this guy personally. I've, been, I've sat on this ministry. I've been to conferences. I've, 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 I've talked with him. I've seen the fruit. This is one of the most anointed guys I know. And it's part of it. This He's been pressed. He's been crushed. But he continues. Matter of fact, somebody asked him one time. They said, man, you don't get frustrated that you've laid hands on people and you've seen them healed, but yet you're not healed in your own body? He said, not at all. Every time somebody gets healed and I don't, it gives me even more hunger to continue to pray for people to get healed. When his wife died, he said, you know, the scripture that came to him was, unless this, what Jesus said, unless a seed uh, falls to the ground and dies, it will not produce fruit. And he said, you know what, from my wife's death, there's going to be a harvest of souls that comes out of this. That's having the right perspective, understanding the scriptures and the power of God, that he can glorify God and he is continuing to. He has a powerful prophetic ministry and he's continuing to be used because the anointing strong in his life. Now he's been pressed, crushed, broken down, all these things, all these years. He's still not healed, still on dialysis, but you know what? He's got an anointing on his life and he, he, he considers it all joy as he continues to walk through it. Amen? And we can do the same. Okay, now the third thing that he says in this one verse, he says, bring, your, bring you pure, have them bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, for the light of the lamp. Now we know we live in a dark world and that we have the light in this dark world, right? Right? 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7 says this, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that, has been see that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, intimacy, knowing Jesus, so we, can, we could know the glory of God for ourselves and, and first personally. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Again, Jesus said, don't mistake your mistake is you don't know the scripture or the power of God. Paul's making it clear again that this power is from God. It's not from us. We must understand the power of God. Listen, the light of the gospel is like a great treasure inside of us, right? That's what he's talking about. The light of the gospel is a great treasure but it's housed in our earthly bodies. 
This verse refers to our body as fragile clay jars. Again, it gives us the purpose. Paul gives us the purpose for our suffering. That's what he means. If you look at that, that scripture in the, in the Greek, that's what he's referring to. He's referring to our, our weak, fragile bodies and that, you know, through this, we can know and shine the glory of God. This great treasure of the gospel that we're shining a light. This is the purpose for our suffering. And a lot of us moving on is, the, this, the, is familiar with this verse right here. And it's Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says this. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Listen, no one lights a lamp then puts it under a basket. There you go. There's your reference. He's using an illustration of us being lamps. Do you see that? Do you see that? Yes? No? Class participation. You can speak. Okay. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light or your good deeds, it says, shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So again, where lives want to be pure, we go through suffering and trials and get pressed and smashed sometimes. You know what? But the purpose is to glorify God, is to, to let our light shine. When you, when, physically, when they were bringing the priests all of these things, it's so they can light this lamp and it could shine in the tabernacle when it was dark. Our purpose is to bring glory to God and we, by letting our light shine through our good deeds, through presenting the gospel. Like I said, through suffering again, how much more is it when you see someone suffering and they not turning their back on God? And they're not, you know, uh, turning away from the Lord. You know, he said this light, this great light, this great treasure has shined in our hearts. But listen, don't keep it in your heart. Let it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it out. Let your light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Why y'all didn't keep saying it? I was, I was leading y'all. That was my attempt to lead in worship. You're not the only one that bombs, Pastor Kelly. It's me too. You had me? Okay, you were going. Okay. But amen. Are y'all, y'all see the correlation now from the lamp in the tabernacle to Jesus saying, hey, you're the light of the world. We're lamps. We let, that's the purpose is to let our light shine. And the fourth and final thing before I lead y'all in another set of worship. Number four is it says that he's Exodus 20. It says, bring your pure Oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. I love that. To keep the lamps burning continually. And I've, I, as I was studying, I've done a whole other message on, on the lamp, about, uh, on a different place in the, in the tabernacle, about how, how the lamp needs to stay burning and how they position the lamp for the lamp to shine its light forward. There's so much good symbolism in this. See, the first thing about the function of the priests is that they were to keep the lamps burning continually through the night off in the tabernacle. They were to keep the lamp. That was their first job that the Lord told Moses to give to the priest, which was Aaron and his sons. As the lamps burned in the Lord's presence, they would indicate that his presence was there continuously. That was a way to show the people, hey, the lamp's burning. God's presence is in here. Come on, somebody. The fire burning in our life is an indication that his presence is living in us. That's why he says to continuously let 
you're, 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 the fire continued to burn. Listen what Moses says a few chapters later. And actually, I, I didn't know that we were seen that song. I referenced the first part of it. But a few, cha- a few chapters later, in Exodus 33, 16, Moses says this. When they were, we were going, after they get the instruction, they were going forward into the promised land. He says, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people of the earth. Just as the physical lamp in the tabernacle was an indication to the people that the presence of God dwelled there. When we continue to keep our fire for Jesus burning, it indicates to the rest of the world that his presence is real and residing in us. Amen? Don't you want to be like a lamp? Yes? Amen? Come on, I know a lamp doesn't sound too exciting, but (laughs) we want to be like the lamp. We want to keep our fire burning. We want to keep the flame going. Amen? You know, so, it, again, you know, when, 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 when believers walk around kind of humdrum and, 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 and always are, are bummed out or not bummed, you know, a lot or when, when things are not going on, that, that's not a reflection of God's presence too much. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not into this whole fake it till you make it thing, okay? I'm not advocating that. I know we all have bad days. But again, there's something about, you know, again, we're, we're carriers of the presence of God. That's why, you know, our, our lights, he said, let, you know, let your light shine. There should be a light. There should be a flame. There should be a fire there. And so we just come off of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let your light or your, your, the lamp burn, your fire burn continuously. Now that prayer and fasting is over, what are we going to do these next 11 months? Amen. Is the fire just burn? Did it just burn for, for January? Or is the fire going to continue to burn in February, March, April, May, June, July, so forth and so on? When it gets hot in July, will you still be hot on the inside? Amen? Will you be red hot for the Lord? Will you continue? Will your fire continue to burn all through the night? It says that the fire burned. The lamps were lit and burned all through the night, in the darkness, in your darkest hour, again, with trial, in despair, in sadness, when tragedy strikes, when, when the economies continue to be bad, when the president that gets elected that you didn't want to get elected, will your fire still burn? It better burn brighter at that time. Amen? None of these things should be indicators. None of these things should, should uh, uh, be deterrents, should I, I mean, of the fire of God in our lives. Because in the darkest night is when our flame should burn the brightest. Amen. Amen? Now, keeping your lamp burning has a different meaning too. It's one, an indicator of the presence of God as it was back then. But Jesus lets us know there's another, another meaning for keeping our lamps burning. And it's found in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 36. This is the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. This is a picture of readiness and vigilance. The master could return any day. Day or night, any time. That's another reason to keep our fire burning. It's to be ready. It, it, to be, make sure that we are we spiritually ready. We're right with the Lord to be ready that if, if, if the sky cracks open right now, are we ready to go? 
Are we, are, is our flame of, of the faith of the fire of God totally trusting 100% in the finished work of the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If it's not, we need to make sure it is. Proverbs and, and Paul encourages in Proverbs 26, 20 says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. If you don't have a fire or if it's very small, I encourage you, start throwing some wood on that thing. Start throwing some wood. Get in God's presence. Get in the word of God. Begin to pray. Begin to worship. Continue to seek God. Don't just, don't just let church be the, the time you're, you're trying to keep this fire going or get it started. Amen? It takes more than just church on Sunday and Wednesday to start a fire or to keep a fire going. Let me say that again. If you're depending for your fire to be burning bright just from Sunday and Wednesday, it ain't going to happen. It might spark it. It might get it going, but it will not continue. It has to be a continuous daily thing before the Lord through prayer, through Bible reading, through worship on your own time. Church helps. Again, it's like another big dose of gasoline on the flame. It helps. Look, obviously, I'm a big advocate for church, right? But this can't be the all in all. Like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a big dose. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a great way. Just like when you start a fire in a barbecue pit, you're probably not supposed to do this. But us guys, we would just like to see fire. And you, you know, you, the fire's already gone. We spray more lighter fluid on it, right? And it, right? And it's just like, whoa, check the eyebrows, the beard, anything. Okay, I'm good. Right? That's what church does. It's like that, that douse of, of, of lighter fluid on already going pit, and that's good. But you know what? When that fire goes down and those, those coals are still simmering and gets red hot, that's the daily time in between church services. Amen? Life group is another great way to continue to, to help keep the fire going. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says this, specifically about spiritual gifts. And it's true, that's part of it. It's the presence, and again, and then it's the work. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, this is why I remind you to fan the flames of the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. We got to continue to fan the flames. If you know what that spiritual gift is, continue to, to seek God, continue to cultivate it in your life through, again, pursuing the Lord. Listen, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is and you haven't been to the Love Guru's class, I want to encourage you to jump in there next week. Now, next week's not on that. It's on um, um, Bible study and, and life groups and whatnot. But in the third week, it's on the spiritual. It's, it, you take a spiritual gifts test in the third class of the Love Guru's. If you, if you say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, I encourage you, jump into the Love Guru's class next week, and you can continue to go through. And if you miss tonight, well, then you can, when it comes back around, you can just jump in for the first one, and you have it all finished up. But I want to encourage you. And it, it, it's not just specific to spiritual gifts, but in every aspect. Throw wood on the fire. Spiritual wood, again, through Bible reading and prayer and worship and staying connected to the local body. Continue to fan the flames, no matter if the time's dark, no matter if it's in trial or, 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 or trial or suffering or any of that. Continue to do these. And then the most important thing, and I'll end with this, is we got to stay ready. As Jesus said, we got to keep the lamps. Are you ready tonight? Why don't you, why don't you stand up with me as we close? Let me read that again. Be dressed for service, Jesus said, and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Again, this speaks of being ready, readiness, vigilance. Any minute, y'all, any minute that trumpet gets sound, 
He could knock, in a sense, on the door. That sky can crack open, and we can be gone. We can be out of here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just begin to pray. We got time. We, I'm, I'm ending early. I want to ask you, to, first and foremost, we're going to go through these things backwards. Are you ready tonight? Are you ready to meet the master? Are you ready to meet the master? If tonight's our last night here on earth, as, as, as a human race, or, you're, you're, or just you, if this is your last night, we never know. We never know. We hear about a, 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 a man that's the epitome of health, has a massive heart attacks and dies. We don't know when our number's up. Are you ready? Is your, your lamp burning in, with faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ? He came, he died to take our sins, took our place, to assure us eternal life, to redeem us from our sinful nature and all of our sinful acts and deeds that we may live in eternity with him and have an abundant life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if he'd come back tonight if I would be ready, if I would spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, but I want to make sure I'm ready. I want, if my lamp's not burning, I want to make sure that I'm right with Jesus tonight. I need to get right. I need to confess my sin and make Jesus the Lord and Savior and Master of my life. If that's you and you say, I'm not 100% sure, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, slip up your hand. And I'm going to pray. I see your hand, young lady. Anybody else? Years ago, my mom asked me, baby, if you died tonight, where would you go, heaven or hell? And I said, you know, I don't know, mom. She said, if you don't know, it means you're probably going to the wrong place. I would say the same thing about you. Anybody else? This young lady was bold. Anybody else? Say, Brandon, I don't know. I asked you that question. If you die tonight, heaven or hell, where would you go? I see your hand over here too, man. Anybody else? I want to make sure that I'm right. Anybody else? See your hand back here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand, young man, in the back. Praise God. We're not rushing. We're waiting on you. Eternity's in the balance for some. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, for you, those of y'all that raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I see your hand over here as well. Anybody else? Come on, hands are still going up right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Come on, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to raise both hands now. And I want you to pray with me. If you raised your hand earlier, raise both hands. Come on, be bold. The Bible says that if you, if you confess Jesus before men, he'll confess you before his Father. If you believe Jesus died and you're ready to admit and confess your sin before the Lord, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I ask you to save me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for taking my place on the cross. Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready for you, Lord. Now, Lord Jesus, give me the grace. Give me the strength to live for you. Lord, set me on fire. Keep my flame burning all the days of my life. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. Yes. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus.
And listen, I want to pray for a few more things, but those of y'all that raised your hands, please, before you leave, come up here and meet me. I'd love to, to, to meet you and pray with you. We, we have a gift we want to gift you. But for the rest of us, we're rejoicing with you, those that are just giving your life to the Lord. For the rest of us, come on, is your, is your light shining? Is your flame continuing to burn? Are you having a little drop off maybe after fasting? Are you, are you shining your light? Are you glorifying God in what you're doing all through life? Maybe you've gone through suffering. And you know what? And, and you haven't looked at it as, hey, I'm getting pressed out. I'm getting pressed. But you know what? I can glorify God through the trial, through the struggle. And I, there can be an increased anointing. Maybe you haven't. Come on. And, and, you know, what about your life? Is your life pure? Is your heart pure? Come on, let's pray about these three right now. Let's just take a moment. If one of these of you just begin to pray and, and ask the Lord. Come on, maybe you say, Brent, I need to live a pure life. Maybe you just want to acknowledge that by slipping up your hand. I'm not going to have you come down here, but I want my life to be purified. Let's pray over that. Father, purify our lives. Purify our heart. Purify our actions. Lord, show us what's the things that, that, that are impure in our lives, in our relationships, in our hearts, in our mind that we need to get out. Holy Spirit, convict us and give us the grace and the strength to walk it out, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for those that are going through suffering and trial. Lord, maybe they've had the wrong perspective of maybe why this is happening to me. But, Lord, show them that through their suffering, they can glorify you. They can show the life of Jesus. There can be a greater anointing on their lives, Lord God. They can, Lord God, continue to show your grace and your goodness through the trial, through the suffering, Lord. And I pray that through all of this, we would glorify you, that we would let our light shine, Lord in the darkest places, in the darkest hour, Lord God, that our, our light, our lamps, we continue to burn bright for you, God. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us compassion for lost souls. Help us to continue in everything we do say and think, Lord God, shine our lives and our good deeds would glorify you, our Father in heaven, so many more we get saved and come to know you. Father, I pray your grace, your peace, your blessing to be upon these that hear. Give us the grace to live it out, Lord God, to not only get it in our heads, but that it move to our heart and that we can walk it out in our lives each and every day. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done in our, this place and in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Again, if you've given your life to the Lord for the first time, uh, or you just rededicating, please come down here, and I'd love to meet you and pray with you. If you need prayer for anything else as well, altars will be open. Y'all have a wonderful night. Drive safe.